This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Contractor's Corner podcast by Solar Power World. I am Kelly Pickerel. I'm editor-in-chief of Solar Power World. Solar Power World is a news and multimedia organization covering the U.S. solar industry for solar installers, contractors, developers, everyone that's building solar projects across the country. So thanks for being with us today. Today's upcoming interview is very special for me. It is actually my first repeat interview within the Contractors Corner series. I just counted and I believe this is my 74th uh, solar installer interview within the Contractors Corner podcast. Of course, uh, Solar Power World puts out a bunch of different podcasts and interview series, but this is my 74th episode and it's the first time that I am interviewing someone for the second time. Later, we're going to hear from George Hirschman. He is the leader over at Swinnerton Renewable Energy and they are actually changing their name official today. It is now Solve Energy. And so we're going to hear a little bit about the utility scale solar installer. I I last talked to him uh, five years ago, so it's it's nice to kind of see how things have evolved in the last five years as everybody that's been around for, you know, even the last 10 years. I mean, stuff has escalated so quickly in the past few years. So um, very excited to talk with George a little later about just everything happening in the industry. So yeah, looking back over the last five, six years of of me doing this interview series for the podcast and listening to those first episodes I did and woof, they were a little rough. So if you've stuck with me for 74 interviews, thank you so much for coming back each month. I just want to brag a little bit about Solar Power World and our longevity in the market, just having these episodes to look back on and just having our editors involved in the industry with all of this experience and, and history and, and knowledge of stories from the past. It's it's really cool. I mean, especially now there's so many, you know, tariff battles and everything going on in the industry. It's it's a lot to keep up on. And so I hope that you are following along with us at, you know, solarpowerworldonline.com on social media and everywhere else because we're bringing you the most up-to-date information that we have with and using all of our past uh, knowledge about what's going on to, to make sure you guys are keeping up to date on on all the tariffs and news and everything like that and I'll be talking with George about the tariffs um, coming up I was kind of hoping that we'd have some more clarity before this episode came out that we would kind of get some decisions within October but um, doesn't seem like that has happened so hopefully things will come through especially you know with the the budget bills and maybe we're going to get an extension on the ITC um, that usually comes around you know the Christmas holidays so (laughs) we'll be we'll be keeping up with our work you know throughout the rest of 2021 and then hopefully 2022 will be a little calmer I don't know (laughs) we'll see really all I have to, to say today. Again, just thank you for sticking around for 74 episodes with me and and really hope that you enjoy the interview today with George Hirschman at Solve Energy. Thank you. interview today for Contractors Corner, our first repeat for the series. 
I last talked with George Hirschman, who's president of Swinerton Renewable Energy in 2016 for the podcast, and I'm very excited to catch up on the last five years with him today. So, hey, George, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, Kelly. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, a lot has happened in, in five years. The The last time we talked, Swinerton had just finished one gigawatt of cumulative solar installation, and now you guys are doing upwards of like two gigawatts each year. So we talked a bit last time about the 2015 extension of the investment tax credit is maybe bringing you some stability to your project planning. So I'm wondering, what do you attribute Swinerton's significant growth to in the last five years? Well, I think that, you know, we've seen um, we've seen market growth and stability. I think the, the extension of the ITC, the um, willingness for utilities to recognize that, um, you know, renewables and particularly solar has, you know, delivered the lowest cost of energy across their, you know, new build platforms. And we've also seen a a really a sea change from, um, you know, corporations and the general public for the need for renewable energy. And so that's driven, you know, driven our growth, which, um, you know, we continue to, to hold a significant portion of the, um, uh, the overall market share and utility scale work. But I think we've seen the growth across all of our, um, uh, different market sectors in in solar, so that's been a pretty uh, positive movement, um, and I think that we're really excited about the future. That uh, we've got an administration that supports renewables and recognizes that um, a change to renew to uh, you know to clean energy production is a re- is really a requirement uh, to deal with climate change. Yeah, definitely. A lot of a lot of positive things coming together. Um, the big news for you guys this year is that a private equity firm has bought Swinerton Renewable Energy and your O&M offshoot, Solve. And those two solar divisions, they are combining under the name Solve Energy. So what does this transition from parent company, Swinerton Builders, mean for your solar business? Yeah, this is a really exciting development for us, Kelly, in that, you know, as we as we started to look at the business um, trajectory going forward uh, with the, you know, change in administration um, and, you know, a lot of the market factors, you know, items that we just talked about, which is, you know, the, the corporates needing renewables, or, and wanting renewables, utilities wanting renewables, uh, an administration that has put forward huge goals um, within renewables and, and solar being such a big part of it. We, you know, we started looking at how were we going to support the growth of the business moving forward um, and recognize that, you know, there are two two developing core businesses with inside of Swinerton. Our commercial core business of commercial construction and then this, you know, growing and, and really, you know, continuing growth of our renewable business and saw that that was very difficult for a, 
you know, traditional construction business to, um, to manage both of those growth trajectories. And so we started looking at our opportunities and, uh, probably in late 2020 and early 21, um, and then, you know, made, made the decision to move forward, uh, with a, an opportunity to get a strategic investor um, as an acquisition to our our two solar businesses, which is our you know Swinerton Renewable Energy, which is our EPC business, and Solve, which is our O and M business, and combining those into one entity moving forward. And and after you know a lot of rounds of of meeting with different um, private equity firms. Um, we've ended up, uh, with, a with American securities as our equity investor, um, something we're very excited about. They are, they have a commitment, uh, to the renewable business. They have a commitment to the services business. Uh, their team and our team have a very good cultural fit. And this is just creates great opportunity for solve energy moving forward as a combined standalone business supported by a wonderful private equity firm like uh, American Securities. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some time to get used to the new name of, of Solve Energy, but we're going to try. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll be the we'll be the formally known as for <laughs> quite a while. Um, uh, but you know, the the we wanted to we wanted to make sure that you know, we kept some brand recognition in the industry of who we were, um, recognizing that, you know, we are separating from Swinerton. So that piece, you know, that, that name had to remain with, with, you know, the Swinerton parent, um, but keeping, you know, keeping the brand that we've created with our solve business and solve energy, you know, says a lot about what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to, be a part of solving the energy, you know, um, uh, industry moving forward. And so it was, it kind of felt like a natural fit for us. Um, and you know, we're excited to be under one brand and, you know, really brings our teams together, um, under a single company and a single mission. Yeah. And so I think people I think people will get used to it after a while. Um, and I think probably the best part of this is all the people are the same. Right. So uh, so the, the all the folks that people have known from Swinerton Renewable Energy and from Solve all remain the same. We all you know, 100 percent of the employees are moving over. The leadership are the staying the same um you know i I get to to continue to you know run two businesses that i love and are passionate about and my management team and the management team of both businesses are staying intact and so i think that is a bit that's a that's a testament to how strong this business is and how committed the management is to our industry um but also gives assurance to our customers that they're going to receive the same service that they're 
have been accustomed to that has made us a, an industry leader in both services, both our both our ETC business and our O&M business. Yeah, yeah, you guys are definitely a leader. Just your name is always out there, and especially you, George. I've been seeing you a lot on the press circuits surrounding the numerous trade complaints in the industry right now. Like we're currently still waiting to see if the Commerce Department is going to take up a petition to place some significant tariffs on solar panels imported from some from Southeast Asian countries. And we also have a quest out there for domestic manufacturers to extend the Section 201 tariffs. So I'm wondering, like, what's your take on the solar industry right now? I mean, there seems to be this growing divide between our manufacturing and installation sectors. So, uh, you know, I I don't think it's it's a growing divide. I think that there are a small number of U.S. manufacturers that are, you know, that have taken action um, that, you know, you know, are section, essentially looking for, um, you know, continued protectionist policies from an old administration. And um, I think that the the industry is actually more united uh, than it is divided. Um, you know, I, I do wear two hats, so I get to wear my, my hat is, is, um, and, you know, leading my, you know, what will be solve energy. Um, and, and also, uh, the chairman of the board of SIA. So I am, you know, you do see me a lot out there in that role as well, recognize, you know, trying to work with, you know, the administration, and members on the Hill to understand how important uh, the the solar industry is to um, the you know Biden's agenda, as well as just to you know the overall um, uh, economy as a whole. And and so you know this this is a unfortunate situation in that um, you know a, a a small part of the of the manu- of the U.S. manufacturing um, base around renewables has taken this, this um, uh, filed this petition against circumvention, um, and you know it's it's unfortunate as well that we don't know who these companies are and so what their motives are and what their supply chain is and you know how closely they match um, a, the supply chain that they are in opposition of. Um, and I think that we will you know, hopefully see that commerce recognizes that, um, that these companies don't have, uh, either don't have standing or don't have, um, that their motives are, are and, and their case is not, doesn't have any merit. And so I'm hoping that by the time, you know, we even go to broadcast maybe on this, we have resolution um, on that issue. And on the manufacturing front, um, you know, we've been consistent as a company, we've been consistent as an industry, that we are absolutely in support of a U.S. supply chain. We want to see components for renewables built in the U.S. But we also recognize that's not going to happen overnight. Mm. We're, you know, we have struggled with a consistent manufacturing and industrial policy in the U.S. 
that supports manufacturing. And to believe that we can change that overnight and that we could, that we could bring manufacturing back at the levels that we need to meet the climate goals is unrealistic. We have to do both. And we have to support U.S. manufacturing through good policy. And we're in support of a number of, of bills. If you look at the Ossoff bill and you look at the new house bill that, that, um, that provides manufacturing support and tax credits for building modules and cells in the U.S., we would, um, we would hope that those bills be extended to support all manufacturing of renewable products in the U.S. That would include racking systems and balance a system and wire and transformers and, and, um, and inverters and, you know, any number of components that are, that support the renewable industry should all have that same type of support. And I think that would build a manufacturing ecosystem in the U.S. that would support um, the, you know, the growth of renewables. I, I think that we focus sometimes on just modules, and that is becoming a, you know, that is one component and becoming a smaller and smaller component as far as price goes within the overall build of the project. And we have infrastructure in place to support things like racking systems and steel um, already in the U.S. And we could, um, we could ramp those up, you know, much faster than we're going to ramp up a new cell or module manufacturing facility in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that we come up with good manufacturing policy, good support of U.S. manufacturers, real support, um, and and we recognize that we need to do we need to do both to to meet our climate goals and obligations, um, and that means importing from from friendly and allied countries. Right? We recognize that that we have to deal with you know the the China effect of manufacturing, but that's not what that's not what 201 does, and that's not what this circumvention case is about. It's about dealing with countries outside of China that are supplying the U.S. market, and I think that we have to support that while we build our own U.S. manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it takes a while to get this domestic manufacturing going. And in the meantime, we can't really stall out our installations because it just kind of hurts the whole industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that and, and I think that the the vast majority of the industry um, is in alignment on that issue. And so, you know, I think that it's important for us to to not overstate the fact that this is a divide in the industry because this has never been a, none of these tariff issues have been a divide. It's been a, it's been a small fraction and, and faction of the solar industry 
that has taken these actions and weaponized the trade uh, policy in the U.S. Um, for what can only be seen as their own gain, not the gain of the industry. And, um, and the rest of the industry has been in alignment on the other side of the table. And, and like you said, so solar panels may be a smaller percentage of the overall project cost. But when you're building these huge utility scale projects, I mean, that can be a significant number if these panels get increased pricing. So how much do these tariff requests, while they're not finalized, we're still waiting to hear from what's going to happen. How does that change your planning like for the rest of the year and even into next year when you're starting to get ready to build projects? Yeah, it has a huge impact. Um, so I don't, I, I, you know, I don't want to diminish the fact that, you know, solar panel still takes 45 to 50% of the overall cost of the project. So while it, while it's, diminishing because you know we've got uh you know uh their modules are becoming more efficient we've got you know more steel in the projects we've got all these other components i don't want to diminish the fact that if you put a significant tariff on a you know on a component that's 45 or 50 percent of the cost of the job absolutely that has has lasting effect and huge impact and unfortunately, you know, massive negative impact on our planning. Um, you know, we have a number of projects that, you know, if modules were to go to 250% tariff, clearly would be non-economic. Projects would not be built um, with that, with those type of tariffs. So it, it has huge effects on us. Uh, directly and the industry as a whole um, makes planning for our business much harder because we're in a we're in a period of time where we all should be planning and building for growth and this stalls that out and so mm-hmm. you know it really challenges businesses like ours that have you know that have large installation workforces and how do you how do you um, retain installation resources if you're not building projects? Well, you don't, and so that means that instead of hiring thousands of employees to build what could be three or four gigawatts of work next year. So we talked about the fact the last time we 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 talked mm-hmm. it took us about eight years to get a gigawatt of, of projects built. And now we're building, um, you know, three and a half or four gigawatts of projects a year. And so, you know, the, the scale of the business has grown, the employee numbers have grown. And to be able to sustain that, we've got to have a um, consistent access to materials and equipment. And that would not happen under this type of tariff regime and we would therefore be not building projects and contracting at a time where we should be expanding. And Mm -hmm. so that is a, 
that's a difficult position that it puts all of us as an in industry, all of us who run uh, installation companies and development companies should be, you know, really throttled down, growing our businesses, employing, hiring, and, you know, all of these actions, both the, this, the circumvention clearly has, has almost frozen the, the market today. It's very difficult to even um, get a purchase order signed for modules because manufacturers don't know what the cost of that module is going to be by the time it hits the U.S. Because of the way that the circumvention petition has been requested in, uh, is that commerce would, uh, if commerce were to initiate the investigation, that tariffs would be retroactive to the date of initiation. And that means based on today's schedule where we sit today could be, you know, could be late November where modules could begin to see, you know, to be subject to a new tariff. And mm -hmm. if you ordered modules today, you, you wouldn't get them for 12 or 16 weeks based on current delivery schedules. And that puts you outside that window. And therefore, how can you secure pricing today when you don't know yeah. what the cost would be? And so that has literally frozen the market for new modules uh, or new module yeah. procurement. And so, so yeah, it is a huge problem around or, you know, problem or challenge around, um, around planning because we, you know, we were in the process prior to, to this action of, you know, growing and expanding our, our resources and our equipment. And, you know, because of all of the, the great opportunity that are, that's in the market today. And, and that's the shame, right? That's the, really the shame of all this is that at a time where we should be working hard with the administration to support the infrastructure package we should be looking at how we're expanding our resources and our equipment needs for for 2022 to meet the the high demand we're being we're all kind of stuck in the mud because of this trade action filed by four companies of which we don't even know who those companies are and how they actually are are structured to support the growth of the industry. Well, yes, I'm wondering with all this maybe construction uncertainty, do you see O&M becoming a more bankable business focus? Like are you doing anything are you doing any different developments or service evolutions within solve the O&M side to kind of combat this? Well, we we were continuing to expand our services before this issue um, came up, we saw that, um, you know, we were moving, you know, obviously our O&M business was continuing to expand. 
Um, but we are also providing construction management services on a number of projects now um, in the uh, community solar and CNI space and in areas where we don't build. Um, we are seeing that we could bring our our expertise into that market as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I have firmly believed that we need to have a good balance of uh, services, you know, businesses that are are less um, volatile to the construction, um, in you know, either construction industry or cons- or commodity changes and and commodity prices and be able to continue to provide services. So, you know, we will um, look for opportunities to grow additional services. And I think part of our move to solve energy was to recognize that we have the ability to provide a lot of services in this industry outside of just uh, the EPC business and the O&M business. And if we combine those two groups together and really use their strengths, then we could provide, you know, a lot of ancillary services to the industry that, you know, help to, um, to, to levelize some of those, um, you know, dips that are caused by um, these type of, of times where you have uh, tariff actions or commodity increases or um, uh, supply chain shortages, right? I mean, that's one of the other things that we are, you know, um, working through is, as most of in, most industries are, is that there's a uh, massive disruption caused by COVID um, in the supply chain. And so, you know, we have supply chain disruptions and, material shortages that are impacting um, project execution as well. So, so yes, some of those other services um, have less impact um, due to those kind of uh, timing issues around, um, you know, deliveries and those things. Yeah. Well, what about large scale energy storage? Um, I know that's still kind of construction related, but um, is that a, is that going to be a significant focus area for the new company Solve Energy? Um, do batteries need to have a stable solar insulation market to really take off? Yes, we are. We are. Um, uh, we have built a lot of in-house resources around um, uh, large scale scale storage, both standalone and solar plus storage. We have a number of projects scheduled for 2022, um, a couple gigawatts of work that all have storage components to them. I think that as we move into 23 and 24, I would say if not 100%, the vast majority of our projects will have storage component with them. So yeah, we have already we've already started, already been investing in um, you know expertise around large scale storage, and see that as just just part of our business moving forward, right? It's I think you'll you'll um, you'll almost never talk about a 
a utility scale solar project without talking about the storage component associated to it. But I just see that those are going to be linked together moving forward. Um, we will we will continue to look at um, and have built standalone storage, and we'll look at that as a as a um, continuing growth opportunity for our our EPC business, which you know is you know happens to do PV, but can do can do storage. Um, you know, we're having lots of conversations with folks about um, green hydrogen. Where does that fit into uh, the overall energy mix as we look for ways to decarbonize um, our energy grid? And, and does green hydrogen um, play into that? Um, I think it can um, and will. Um, I think we're in the early stages, but a lot of discussions around that as well. So, so you know, I I look at our I, I look at Solve Energy as a renewable energy services business, and that means that we're gonna we're going to um, continue to um, construct and engineer and develop you know clean energy technologies in the future. So whether that be you know solar plus storage today. Maybe it's solar plus hydrogen. Um, maybe it's, you know, um, maybe it's standalone of, of the two. Uh, you know, I think that they're, um, the possibilities are, are endless for this new organization. I've been putting off learning more about green hydrogen, I think, for as long as possible. It's probably time to start learning up on that new technology. Well, yeah, I think that, you know, um, probably, you know, it used to be, I'd hear about it, you know, every, every month or two. Now I hear about it every, at least every week with somebody. Um, it, it's, it feels a lot like storage did uh, a couple of years ago, right? Is that, you know, we still, yeah. <laughs> there still needs to be a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, understanding of where it works and where it doesn't work and how we're going to do it, how we're going to monetize it. You know, all the things that all the discussions that we had on storage, um, you know, a few years ago, now those are, those are behind us. I think hyd hydrogen will be the same. So I think we'll all be learning a lot about hydrogen. Don't, don't feel like you're left behind. I think uh, we're all <laughs> going to be learning about, about green hydrogen uh, in the coming years. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm wondering what other predictions do you have for like the next year? What can we expect from Solve Energy? Are, are you just focusing on the end of this year, just getting through that and seeing what happens? What what can we expect? Well, you know, I think that um, the good news is it, for a lot of people, it's going to be more of the same. And I think that is uh, what the industry wants to hear from us is that we're going to be, we're going to be the same industry leading, you know, provider of EPC services. Um, we're going to keep our, you know, the same commitment to, um, uh, to excellence in our execution of projects, our operations of projects. And I'm, I'm happy to say it's going to be more of the same, right? Is that we're not, 
while we are, you know, while we're obviously excited about the changes, I'm excited that um, a lot is going to stay the same. And I think that's the discussions that we're having with our customer base is they want to see that we're the same trusted partner and provider that we've always been. And, um, and I can assure you and assure them we are. And, and that's mainly because the leadership stays the same. The, you know, um, I'm lucky enough to have been employee number one in this organization. So I've been here from, from day one and, um, and I'm, you know, and I'm planning to be here for a lot longer. And so that's through this transition and beyond. And I think that's a, um, that's, that's what our customers are really hoping is that this gives us the ability to provide better services with, with stronger resources. Um, and that's, that's what I'm really excited about for the future. Um, what my predictions are for, for 22 is that, you know, I think that we're going to get through this kind of momentary issue around um, tariffs and, and the tariff challenges. And I think that the, with the, the support of the administration, we're going to get a, you know, a, a sweeping climate package that will um, really transform the energy um, industry. And, you know, will will give us hopefully 10 years of, of an ITC so that it brings massive stability in our business. Um, and, you know, I hope that there are um, manufacturing incentives and uh, to, to bring back, back manufacturing, or not necessarily bring back manufacturing, but just create manufacturing in the U.S. for renewables and support it. And, um, you know, I hope those things happen, and I hope they happen before the end of the year, because I think we're running out of time, uh, that those pieces get put in place so that we can we can all realize the the future that our businesses can create and this industry can create, right? We're trying to, um, you know, SIA has, has increased our targets, right? To stay more in line with, with the administration's goals and moving, um, you know, moving our, our, you know, the percentage of, a solar to 30% by 2030. I mean, we are running out of time. We need to be doing, we need to be yeah. building projects um, that are you know, slotted and ready to go um, and only would be delayed because of lack of um, modules and equipment. And we need to get that resolved and we need to get to, get to work. And I'm hoping that that's what 2022 uh, becomes right. I hope we do the heavy lifting in 21, the rest of 21 to get bills and policy in place to get to, to put these old, you know, trade and protection policies behind us and recognize that the, that the, you know, the state of, of uh, the climate 
needs are so dramatic that we have to get moving right away. Yeah. Yep. There's no time to waste. That's that's for sure. Well, thank you, George, so much. I really enjoy always picking your brain on the industry and and now getting to get to hear what we're going to see from Solve Energy in the future. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we'll, we'll talk again soon. And- this has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World Podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, new industry videos, and read our great editorial content. SolarPowerWorldOnline.com. See you back here next month.